0: I feel like as a collective, we're still a little bit early to this idea of enlightened community. I think it's gonna be a little ways away. I think we need to move a little bit away from our staunch individuality, heal some of those traumas that we have, especially in relating and relationships. and welcome back to the Octave Leap Podcast with your host, David Kahn. And today we're going to talk about the role and impact of community in the year 2024. Community has always been a very big topic in my life. From the age of 19, I had this ideal of creating a conscious community. My girlfriend at the time was also into it and we didn't know what to do and fell flat on her face. (laughs) Um, And, you know, since then I've seen I've had the opportunity to be around various communities and have seen what works and what doesn't and what can go sideways and get really ugly. And yeah, there's lots of variety in this mix. I feel like as um, a collective, we're still a little bit early to this idea of, you know, enlightened community. Um, I think it's going to be a little ways away. I think we need to um, move a, a little bit away from our staunch individuality. And heal some of those traumas that we have, uh, especially in relating and relationships. Because to existing community can be like a pressure cooker when we haven't learned how to actually filter incoming data properly and respond maturely to it. Uh, You know, I've seen a lot of communities that blow up or fail uh, for the simple fact that um, people haven't actually dealt with their stuff. They think they have, but then when they get into the pressure cooker, it turns out they haven't. And when you're in a closed system like that, and it's the same people, uh, you know, different power dynamics start to form uh, and hierarchies start to form. And as a result of that, factions begin to form in your little closed system. And it becomes sort of a microcosm of like gang warfare. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that you see on the streets of some major cities. Um, but essentially, what I have found is working very well is online communities have been absolutely amazing, especially over the last four years. Um, I've been traveling around the world and also making friends with a lot of people who did the same thing. Uh, people who've lived in Bali, Australia, Costa Rica, Ecuador, uh, South Africa, um, sometimes Spain or Portugal or Greece. And they're hopping around the world and uh, meeting people and obviously creating an online presence and connecting with people on online. Now, the problem with this is right now we have the major tech companies, the big tech companies gatekeeping what we can say, and what we can do and who's banned and who's not banned on their platforms. And this creates a big problem because it really, um, sort of disincentivizes and discourages those who really want to connect and really want to have a meaningful relationship from using those platforms and doing so Uh, because they don't feel comfortable on there when they don't know what's happening with their data, when they don't like the feel of the platform itself uh, and some of the, you know, scammy, spammy type of things that happen there. And so, and not to mention too, just never knowing if, they, if they're they going to say the right thing and, and disappear, which is, is is horrible. It's the digital version of, you know, totalitarian states, essentially. Um, whereas what has been popping up recently is platforms like Circle.so and School, S-K-O-O-L, where people can actually form communities. They can create Different kinds of experiences. They can gamify experiences. They can interweave courses in there. They can have free memberships. Uh, They can organize things nicely. And this actually allows people to form their own miniature social media platform that doesn't have the same drawbacks and problems as the platforms offered through the big tech companies. And this movement I see. As something that's really going to take off over the next few years, especially as the reach for holistic type of content for positive content um, declines, and if you haven't noticed, your reach has been declining. If you're in that area, you know, if you're if you're posting like bloopers or like blowing shit up videos or like you know dancing videos, that type of thing, you're fine. But, you know, the minute you try to post something of substance, those ones get buried. I don't know why. You know, I think, uh, well, I do know why, but I'm not going to, I have my, put it this way, I have my um, theories on the matter. But uh, basically, uh, here's a good example. TikTok in China, what they show to Chinese children is all about math, engineering, science, innovations, and technology. And what does the algorithm show to American children? Twerking, eating competitions, grown adults crying like little brats. Not kidding. This, is, this has been proven. And so, there's a real intention to actually condition a population in a certain way um, based on that. And it's, it's kind of terrifying to see the power that these platforms have because they're actually more powerful than governmental institutions in actually controlling the public opinion because people spend so much time on the platforms they're slowly becoming accustomed to whatever they're being exposed to they're slowly becoming more and more conditioned so if the algorithm is becoming suggestive in any way and it's moving them in a particular direction they don't even see that happening which is why and this is another case why people that are creating their own communities and their own platforms are needed more than ever um I saw this a couple of years ago. I did a, a little bit of market research. I was seeing year over year since 2020 that there's between 90, 99 and 127 percent growth on these platforms, on these community-based platforms, uh live streaming platforms as well. And people like the ability to interact as though you're with the person in in that you're doing it in real time, you know, whether it's through chat, or whether it's through interactions on a live stream. Uh, however, you can be thousands of miles or kilometers apart. You know, and I, I very much had that experience, especially with Vanessa. We ran a number of live stream events where we were live watching the comments rolling in. We'd jump on a Zoom call afterwards. We'd be answering people's questions. And it really creates this, this glue, this bond of something bigger happening. And we'd leave those events feeling just amazing we even offered them by donation. And that was really, really powerful for the period of time that we did that. Of course, all things change. Vanessa does continue to do those, but I have moved on to uh, actually, yeah, I'm I'm building something very exciting around trifecta and around communities that's going to be coming out shortly. And I I don't want to actually say it shortly because it's going to come out when it comes out. Um, But I'm working with somebody I respect very greatly. And we're really kind of crafting this thing to be super cool. Cause like, you know, I've, I've learned a lot of lessons from different approaches, you know, doing things that are free, doing things that are paid, doing things that are donation based, what works, what actually creates things Because you know, if, if you make a paid community, for instance, um, there's a bit of pressure with people in the community. It's like, okay, well, we're we're here and, and we're paying for this, so there has to be content. Whereas if you do it free, it's way too relaxed and it's way too casual. And then usually uh, the person running it, they lose interest at some point and, and go on to something else. So I'm playing around with this idea of creating something that's really accessible, but also really like enticing and also playing around with different pricing models um, that will include free. and And the free isn't just like there to kind of get your foot in the door. The free is there to actually give value to people who want it. Because the way that I see this is when you have a community of people, you have a focused group that you're talking to, that you're, you're developing shared values with. And that's really important is that beyond anything else, it's shared values that will bind people. It's not your marketing. It's not, you know, free offers or anything like that. That's the thing that's going to keep them is, is knowing that there's people that share the same values and that are constantly creating in alignment with those values and constantly interacting in a way that aligns with those values. And this is, this is, this is, um, a a bigger theme that I've been noticing as I go deeper and deeper into, you know, running a business online, helping people run businesses online and avoiding sort of the e-commerce marketing AI direction. That's just like going way too too far in a very cerebral, head-based, extractive, exploitive type of direction that's all about money. I see this very much as, can you be natural and authentic and just connect with people based on values? And the truth is, yes, yes, you can. Um, you know, it takes a little bit longer. It's not as quick. It's, it's like, you know, <laughs> enjoying a meal that takes time to prepare versus McDonald's. McDonald's is quick. You take a bite, it's sweet and salty immediately. And then half an hour later, you feel sick, right? It's sort of like those things that are flashed in the pan. It's like, it's all bright and shiny at first. And you get in there and you just feel tired and exhausted, depleted and drained. And it's like, there's not there's no substance to it. There is no values. It's like literally these people can just go and put up another business and make a little bit more money doing this and this and this. And that's what they do. They just say, okay, where's a gap in the market I can go and I can actually set up a shop and create something just so I can make money. And the way that I see it is, where can I use my talents and skills to serve in a way that, of course, will take care of my needs, but in the process, will receive something much more valuable, which is deep, heartfelt connection with other people, and build these relationships over time, and uh, really get to see—the the best way to put it is, I get to see a side of people that I hadn't seen otherwise. Like, I, I really, through the work that I do, which is partially business, partially healing, I guess— Um, you know, I've seen a very vulnerable and intimate side of people through that process that you don't generally get to see just with like everyday friends or sometimes, you know, even family members. So that for me has been deeply touching. And that for me is the part that has kept me in this so long, because I think there gets to a point where if you're making money and you're doing it just for the sake of earning an income, you hit that milestone and you're like, yeah, so what? And you lose interest because you're like, this, this can't go any further than here. It's like, you know, I just ticked a box. I, I, I hit my, my milestone. Now what do I do? Ah, There's nothing to it. It's, it's, it's empty. Okay. I'll go distract myself with this milestone over here versus keep going because you see that that impact is, you know, reshaping things in the world. It's actually having, it's actually being deeply received by people. And that to me is something that can actually create longevity with an endeavor. And so at some point, though, one must also ask themselves, do I want to continue working with individuals on a one by one by one by one basis? Does that work for me? Because I can do more intimate work one to one. And or I could work with groups of people or even like distributed groups like a community where there's maybe a thousand people. On a platform, that but they're interacting and they're getting value and they're sharing their thoughts, um, in you know a more open way that it's it's like a two way dialogue. So, what I've found personally is that, uh, you know, there there is no right answer and there's no right answer for ever, because at one point in time, all I wanted to do was one on one work with people. I just wanted to work intensely with people. And then another time, I felt like groups is better. Now I'm kind of shifting in this direction of, you know, really being at the heart of a community, essentially, and um, building that. And and you know, drip feeding sort of this trifecta wisdom as it comes. I, I realized too one of the drawbacks with trifecta is the first iteration of it, the first iteration of reports and everything it was too dense. So I've gone back to the drawing board to type to try and simplify things for people, because essentially I need that process to be palatable to my community. And and because because the message behind it and the impact of it is so profound, it's heal your core wound, align with what you're here to do and attract prosperity without having to like worry about money and stress about it all the time. Pretty simple thing. That's that's basically living in alignment. That's basically living with, you know, a, a connection with the greater flow of life and not being uh, this sort of compartmentalized um being that's operating out of a mix of trauma and inspiration. See the difference? Trauma kind of keeps us... Uh, how to put it? Like, it's, it's a stimulation in a way. And it doesn't allow us to find the gaps between sensations where, you know, true creativity lives. Those moments of, like, pure inspiration. Those are in the gaps between sensations. And so when people start to operate more from the gaps, and by the way, the the funny thing about the gaps is that they're very uncomfortable at first if we're used to stimulation and distraction. The minute we hit one of those gaps, it feels like emptiness. So we either freeze up or we um, distract ourselves. And we go out and we try to fill it with addictive behavior as opposed to just sitting in that emptiness. But when you create that on a collective scale, it's so synergistic. And I've only seen this in small groups. When I did, when I was working 15 or 20 years ago with some of the spiritual teachers I worked with, that we would we would have processes that involved small groups of people in different configurations that would create this synergy. Um, and I believe that can spread on a larger scale, but it requires people to actually be. Looking at the same thing. It also requires people to transcend any notion of the guru identity. You know, it's very, very common still for people to look at the facilitator or the source person for a group that has shared values, a community, et cetera, and say, oh, this person knows everything and they're going to lead the way, and this is what they said to do, so we're going to do it. Versus saying, oh, that person's obviously standing in their post, and they've got certain skills. They've also got certain flaws or drawbacks. So I'm going to take what they say and listen presently and assess what's right for me. You know, that's, that's the much more mature perspective, and that's the one that causes less trouble down the line because I feel like when that guru dynamic starts to form, and sometimes it starts to form without people even noticing it until it's pretty far along, but it's kind of like it feels like it's a herd of lemmings going off a cliff sometimes. It's like, you know, people can't actually critically think and give you straight answers. Uh, they, they're so bought into whatever the leader says that, that, that their idea of that thought is overriding any sort of natural receptiveness to what's unfolding before them. So they can't actually see the present moment. They can't actually be here and listen and be present and attentive Instead, they're caught up in ideas and concepts and ideologies, which exists at a very mental and also emotional level, because that mental thought pattern tends to wrap itself around emotions. So, for communities to progress in a healthy way, there needs to be a greater decentralization of knowledge. And I had the joy of running uh, the Crypto Revolution community, which was a lot of fun. And during that time in Crypto Revolution, uh, I started empowering some of the people in the program to actually step up and help some of the newer people because I actually didn't want to be the one that was receiving all the questions and helping people and saying, well, Dave said this, Dave said that. No, I, I sincerely wanted people to learn how to work with cryptocurrency in a way of their choosing, in a way that suited them best, not, you know, follow me wherever I go. Because what if I make a mistake? Then I'm I'm responsible for the mistake. In that case, I did. <laughs> you know, I said, hey, guys, we're, we're, we're dipping right now. Just put your crypto into UST. And then Terra Luna goes. Brr. And that was, um, yeah, not a lot of fun uh, when that happened two years ago. Um, so, you know, leaders and, and facilitators do make mistakes. And so we have to see them for their strengths and also for their weaknesses as well. And, and be able to assess things maturely, able to assess things really on a felt sense level and see, does this feel right? You know, Let's say 70% of what this person says feels right, and then 30% of it, yeah, it's not for me. It's fine as it is. It's not for me. It's different than if you get a red flag and it's like, oh, there's something really off with that other 30%. <laughs> That's something to note. Um, because a lot of the time, when people have illuminated certain parts of themselves and they've activated certain parts of themselves and they're operating out of that, the beast has also learned a couple things along the way. So the shadow's learned a few tricks and it's grown more clever and it's grown more powerful. So when the wolf comes out to eat, it feasts. And um, that is sort of when you can see sometimes community leaders that say one thing publicly and then behind closed doors do something very different that's usually construed as abusive and usually leaves people feeling hurt, confused, traumatized, um, overwhelmed, frozen, you name it, the range of sort of um, negative nervous system responses. And that's not cool, you know, because that person's not living in unity, that person's living in fragmentation. And so the other thing too is we tend to demonize it when, when whenever stuff comes out about these people. It's like, oh, well, that person was you know, abusing their followers behind closed doors. Everything they ever said is is wrong. Well, it's not true. It's, you know, they can have their merit where merit's due and they can be a total monster over here. Now, are we going to listen to them? Probably not so much because this thing they didn't clean up. And so what is important. And what I, what I really feel strongly about with the trifecta system is that you clean that up in the beginning. <laughs> and so when you go through it, you clean up that area in which that thing is most likely to show up and be hiding and be clever. You go there first, you deal with that, which actually takes care of a lot of other smaller issues in life, such as self-worth, such as scarcity, such as um, overthinking and never taking action. So all these little minor problems, or I should say the the assortment of other woundings and resistances and stuff we have, they tend to clear up when we address the core wound. And from there, we also become clear. And when we're clear, we're sitting in those gaps between sensation or thoughts or events. And when we're sitting there, we can listen. And when we can listen, we can actually reconnect with life itself and disconnect from the artificial experiment that's wrapped itself around much of this world. (laughs) That causes a lot of pain and suffering. That's not to say that we can't, you know, enjoy things of modern society and culture. I sure do. I dress normal. I use technology like anybody else. But it's the mood that I do it with. Versus allowing myself to get caught up with um, another force that's, that's feeding essentially. So we still have a ways to go when it comes to the subject of community. We still have a ways to go as a species in order to heal, in order to actually come together in a mature way and be able to state our needs without overstating them and and getting uh, aggressive. Um, And essentially just being, being able to enjoy people while we're together and being present with them and then being able to step away and enjoy our alone time too. So, yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode. By the way, if you want to watch, I've got a free training on Trifecta. I've also got a really cool um, thing coming up that I'll tell you guys about in a bit. And I've talked about it a a little bit on the show. But it should be closer now, and that's the Core Wounding app. Uh, It should be ready, I'd say, in the next month. It's getting close. I've been talking with the developer. We just need to put it on a site somewhere. And it's going to be sort of the first exploration into Trifecta, especially for a larger group of people. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed this. Take care.